Welcome to Sights and Sounds, a series of podcasts presented by the Gotham Center for New York City History for Open House New York Weekend. In this episode, Marjorie Feld talks about Henry Street Settlement. This neighborhood agency has been providing immigrant, poor, and working class people from Manhattan's Lower East Side with social services, art programs, and health care for 125 years. It was founded by pioneering social worker Lillian Wald, at whose table, you'll soon hear, presidents and businessmen from around the nation and the world came to visit, occasionally even sitting down alongside labor organizers and radicals to discuss solutions to the various problems of the day. Feld, the author of a prize-winning biography of Wald, discusses the origins of this nationally path-breaking New York City institution and the many ways in which its founding spirit still animates the settlement which sprang into existence to face the mass immigration and inequality of the first Gilded Age and is now grappling with the second. For more podcasts like this and for more Gotham Center programming, visit us at gothamcenter.org and sign up to our mailing list. Thanks for listening. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Marjorie Feld, and I'm professor of history at Babson College in Babson Park, Massachusetts, USA. I'm delighted to welcome you to my Open House New York podcast on Henry Street Settlement, an amazing and important social services organization founded in 1893 and still serving immigrant families with its headquarters at 265 Henry Street on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. I want to thank the Gotham Center for New York City History for inviting me to talk about one of my favorite places on earth. And before I even begin, I want to encourage you to go into 265 Henry Street to see the new permanent exhibit on its history. It's fascinating, and I was really honored to be a part of it, along with a great community of scholars and experts. The exhibit is interactive and smart and thorough and thought-provoking. I hope you'll open the door to Henry Street and take a look. I'll begin by talking only for a few minutes, I promise, about my connection to Henry Street, so you have some idea whose voice you're listening to, but also because I'm hoping the story gives you a bit of a window onto the historical and present-day work of the settlement. I was a junior in college when I began taking courses on feminism and what was then called women's history, now called gender history, and I began searching for a topic that could engage for my senior thesis. It was the early 1990s. I was in my early 20s. I was a history and Jewish studies major, activist-minded, and finding my feminist voice, and so I began pursuing research on Lillian Wald, a Jewish woman activist and feminist born right after the Civil War in 1867 in Cincinnati, Ohio, and raised in a wealthy assimilated family in Rochester, New York. Wald founded the settlement in 1893, a few months after her 26th birthday. I began with that fact and then learned of her conventional upper-class upbringing in Cincinnati and Rochester, her lack of a Jewish education, her decision to attend nursing school in Manhattan after she met the nurse who attended the birth of her sister's child. As I was piecing together Wald's first years in New York City, I came to see the profound impact those years had on her life. She was surrounded by women who'd made choices other than those of her mother, aunts, and sister, who lived as wives and mothers with no paid employment. Wald described herself as completely fulfilled by her friendships with Mary Brewster, Lavinia Dock, and other rock star nursing colleagues, along with women she would later meet, such as Jane Addams and Florence Kelly. As a lesbian, she was also sustained by her intimate physical relationships with women throughout her life. Within these women's networks, and through her encounters with the industrial poor of New York, Wald's thoughts on the need for cross-class and cross-race cooperation, for restraints and regulations on capitalism, and for active women's roles began to crystallize. While teaching a home nursing class to Jewish immigrants downtown, Wald was taken by a child to a sick woman in a tenement, 
the family living in desperate conditions. She called this moment her baptism of fire. Deserted were the laboratory and the academic work of college, she wrote. I never returned to them. My mind was intent on my own responsibility. That winter, she founded the Nurses Settlement, as Henry Street Settlement and the Visiting Nurse Service of New York were first called. It offered non-sectarian nurses' visits to its neighbors, giving health care to the poor on a sliding fee scale. Wald's cosmopolitan secular Jewishness gave her audience with wealthy New York Jews, and they, especially financier Jacob Schiff, were the first benefactors of her work. With their help, her institution grew into a full-fledged settlement house. In my biography of Wald, I study her from these vantage points, a nurse, a feminist, a secular Jew. Above all, I charted her lifelong commitment to what she called the mutuality of society, the idea that the fate of one class of people was inseparable from any other. Now, I saw this living ideal of mutuality at Henry Street before I began grad school, when a visit there turned into a summer job. Coincidentally, that was 1993, the 100th anniversary of the settlement. And the Visiting Nurse Service of New York is now further uptown and independent, by the way. I was in charge of the Greening Program, a cutting-edge environmental awareness group that was part of New York's Summer Youth Employment Program for Urban Kids. At the huge, loud, joyful street festival that celebrated Henry Street's centennial, I was in charge of the recycling. Never had I had a happier moment when dealing with garbage. For the entire summer, really, I was in heaven, walking in walled spaces. My colleagues, social workers who were huge fans of Wald's, told me ghost stories. Footsteps on the stairs right inside the doors to 265 Henry Street, shadows in the hallways of Wald's old haunts. And if you ask longtime employees of Henry Street, they'll often share such stories with you after a lot of prodding. While they tried with good humor to convince me of the ghostly presence of Wald at Henry Street, I came to see her much more as a living presence there. Her radical ideas about the responsibility of government to its people, her radical ideas about the responsibility of all people toward each other, these were living on in the work my Henry Street colleagues were and are doing. Now, when I teach early 20th century history, I tell my students that people in the U.S. who saw immigrants as new life and new blood for America, people like Wald, were swimming upstream. The turn of the 20th century was a time of tremendous nativism, anti-immigrant sentiment, white supremacy, and all of these linked to a thoroughly sexist culture. Wald and her colleagues pushed against all of these ideas in their work. And so today, as we see all around us, again, the signs of more reactionary politics, of racism and nativism, sexism and homophobia, we can look to Wald for inspiration and to Henry Street Settlement for its continued work building bridges between people and celebrating difference. When I look at the building of 265, that's what comes to my mind. So that's the introduction. I'll say that my senior thesis then became the topic of my doctoral dissertation, and as I moved from index cards and a clunky word processor to a dot matrix printer and finally to a decent computer, I finally published my biography of Wald with University of North Carolina Press in 2008. This past March, I sat in the dining room with a distinguished panel of speakers to talk about Wald's living legacy. I'm happy to say that I've traveled with Wald for a long time, and today I'll tell you just a few stories about Wald and Henry Street Settlement. The first record of Wald's own strong voice reveals a great deal about her young hopes. In her application to nursing school, she wrote, My life hitherto has been, I presume, a type of modern American young womanhood, days devoted to society, study and housekeeping duties such as practical mothers consider essential to a daughter's education. 
This does not satisfy me now. I feel the need of serious, definite work, a need perhaps more apparent since the desire to become a professional nurse has had birth. In Wald's telling, the catalyst to leave all that was familiar was not the birth of her sister's child, but the genesis of her ambition. The need of serious, definite work awoke in her a desire to travel beyond the traditional parameters of white middle-class womanhood. Hers was the choice of a woman's world. There she would be nurtured by her relationships with other women and be defined not by her marriage, but by her education and accomplishments. This ambition took her, the next fall, from her relatively sheltered life in Rochester to the New York Hospital Training School for Nurses on West 15th Street. There she entered a woman's professional world and a big city for the first time. Following her graduation from nursing school in 1891, Wald said that her natural love of children led her to the juvenile asylum on 176th Street. After one year there, she became increasingly critical of institutional care. She decided to continue her education and perhaps become a physician herself by entering the Women's Medical College on 84th Street. Now, while studying there, Wald had what she called and what I've talked about as her baptism of fire, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that now. It's an important moment in her first book, The House on Henry Street. She was taken by a young girl to a tenement where the young girl's mother lay hemorrhaging in her bed. This was around the time that the Lower East Side was the most densely populated neighborhood on the planet. Wald wrote, To my inexperience, it seemed certain that conditions such as these were allowed because people did not know and for me, there was a challenge to know and to tell. My naive conviction remained that if people knew things, and things meant everything implied in the condition of the family, such horrors would cease to exist. And I rejoiced that I had had a training in the care of the sick that in itself would give me an organic relationship to the neighborhood in which this awakening had come. Deserted were the laboratory and the academic work of college. I never returned to them. My mind was intent on my own responsibility." Though she was relying on a pretty traditional ideal of women as maternal, as naturally drawn to help families, she was also expanding the possibilities for women's public roles. Now, as I said, Wald relied on philanthropists for her early work, especially Jacob Schiff, who was a towering figure in U.S. and U.S. Jewish history. Wald recalled her first meeting with Schiff in 1893 as an exchange between an inexperienced girl and a busy banker. After their meeting, Schiff funded Wald's entrepreneurial venture, a visiting nurses service called the Nurses Settlement, with nurses who lived together and quote-unquote visited the Lower East Side tenements dispensing health care. Their institution grew as the years passed to offer classes in English, citizenship, domestic science. It became known as Henry Street Settlement, part of the social gospel-inspired settlement house movement in which middle-class, educated women and a few men moved to urban, low-income neighborhoods to address the problems of poverty. Mostly non-sectarian settlement houses offered their clients education and socialization opportunities, cultural outlets, and in this case, medical care. The resident workers of these houses gained professional experience, recording data, and testing theories and methods for the rising field of social work. The massive immigration of the late 19th and early 20th centuries first drew attention to the huge gap in social services among the urban poor, before settlements like Henry Street appeared on the urban landscape, religious groups had built institutions for downtown outreach and charity, and they were often sites of Christian missionary activity. It was very important to Wald to be seen as a professional, secular institution. In fact, Wald once referred to herself and her first colleague, Mary Brewster, as sisters without religion. Wald talked about how the nature of their work made Henry Street flexible, its work long-lasting. The developing of tolerance, that sense of brotherhood, she wrote, 
has been one of the most significant features of Henry Street settlement. At first, Wald and Brewster settled on Rivington and then Jefferson Streets. Then Jacob Schiff provided sufficient funds for Wald and Brewster to move to Henry Street, another fine old house, once the abode of the wealthy, but long abandoned to the poor of the city. Brick and three stories high, 265 Henry Street also had all the marks of a genteel home, including, importantly, indoor plumbing. There's a metaphor I use throughout my book, and I want to talk about it here. That's Wald's dining room table. As soon as they moved in, Wald asked that the huge mahogany doors be chopped down in the name of practicality. She had them made into huge tables around which residents and visitors could gather to educate each other as to what was needed to affect change. So as the settlement grew, reaching more and more individuals and families with health care in their homes, so too did her work in education. Meetings at those tables were responsible for the genesis of countless proposals for government and private social programs. These were a space to be held in common. If you go into 265 Henry Street and up the beautiful staircase inside the entrance, you'll be in the dining room. Here, Wald welcomed uptowners like Schiff to her settlements so as to introduce them to the lives of the downtown immigrant poor. At Wald's dinner table, according to Schiff's first biographer, he came into contact with the laboring man and the immigrant and obtained their point of view. Schiff credited Wald with creating a house with all the attributes of a home. Not only did Wald act as the woman of the house, a buffer from the outside forces of competitive capitalism, she also brought into the house individuals who had suffered from capitalism's abuses because at Henry Street, Wald supported laborers' strike actions. One Russian immigrant and union activist who had been Wald's client wrote of Henry Street in these first years as a place where rich and poor are made to forget their material difference. He called the house a veritable salon where distinguished artists, intellectuals, statesmen, captains of industry, and proletarians meet and converse without formality or affectation. Surely to Wald's satisfaction, he claimed her work on behalf of the underdog in life's battles, as in keeping with the old-fashioned American ideas of free speech, free press, and free public assembly. Though their class origins surely set them apart from the neighborhood residents, the nurses had a crucial and natural role to play in a city adjusting to the unnatural growth of industrial capitalism. Our basic idea, wrote Wald, was that the nurse's peculiar introduction to the patient and her organic relationship with the neighborhood should constitute the starting point for universal service to the region. The inequality that accompanied American industrial growth, she implied, was dehumanizing and uncivilized, and her nurses worked against those forces. She and her nursing colleagues as trained professional women were uniquely prepared to do such work. Her training in nursing, she believed, collapsed the class difference between herself and her clients and gave her, in her words, an immediate avenue of approach. Importantly, Wald's attempt to unify professional nurses included the crossing of the color line. Wald was one of the first white leaders to support the National Association of Colored Graduate Nurses, the NACGN, which was founded in 1908. But I want to be clear about how the color line still held sway at Henry Street. Wald's 25 black nurses were not allowed to visit white homes, nor to be promoted to supervisory ranks. But she paid them equal salaries, and she accorded them identical professional courtesies and recognition. Henry Street's African-American branch of the settlement was Stillman House, which was located in the neighborhood informally known as San Juan Hill that was, tragically, raised to build Lincoln Center. But I'm fast-forwarding now. Wald's work at Henry Street, which was expanding and successful, granted her increasing influence and visibility at the start of the 20th century. 
You could find her in progressive magazines, nursing and social work journals, and in places like the New York Times talking about immigrants and all they had to contribute to the U.S. For her, Henry Street was a springboard to national roles and international travel and expertise. This travel left its mark, in a very literal way, on Henry Street settlement. In 1910, she took a voyage to Japan, China, and Russia. She told a Times reporter, We brought back new friendships and pleasant memories. These are very personal and precious. The really vital thing is to come back with a conviction of the many big causes that we, as Americans, have in common with the peoples of all lands. This led her to call her Henry Street colleagues internationalists. In keeping with that idea, Wald brought back a symbol for the settlement. She later explained its story. Some years ago in Japan, desiring to acquire a suitable symbol for the settlement decoration, I found it difficult to convey our idea to the Chinese designer. I called upon a young Japanese woman who had lived at our settlement to describe it to him, and in the evening he brought the design which is on the settlement banner. It was his understanding of our Japanese visitor's story. The symbol reads, Universal Brotherhood. And if you walk inside of 265 Henry Street, you can see it just as you walk in. With the adoption of this symbol, the settlement asserted its own important role in the bringing about of this vision of universal brotherhood. Wald incorporated that idea into the mission of her institution, with nursing at its center. She continued to bring world figures to Henry Street's table for discussions of important issues. Her institution stood as an international model for similar programs, and nurses from all over the world visited the house to gain practical training in one of the world's pioneer nursing organizations. Here's a favorite fact of mine. By 1926, nurses trained at Henry Street worked in 48 countries in Europe, Asia, and Africa. I want to take a moment to list some of the Progressive Era achievements that were products of Wald's dining room table collaborations and conversations. Playgrounds, safe and affordable housing, safe workplaces, milk stations, school nurses, and continued access to artistic expression, including the founding of the Lewison Playhouse at Grand and Pitt Streets in 1914. This was art that reflected the population of the neighborhood for the first time. Wald's ideas, as I've said, really pushed against the mainstream ideas of her day. Not only that women had a profound role to play in public life, but a radical acceptance of difference from immigrants against immigrant restriction. She didn't subscribe to the pseudoscience of the day embracing eugenics. Though, as I've said, the color line did hold sway, Wald signed a call that led to the founding of the NAACP and protested the filming of the white supremacist film Birth of a Nation. She and her nurses and social workers were matching their experience to their values and then to policies. They protested the rising militarism of the world, U.S. involvement in World War I, and the prioritizing of security not through public health, but through building walls and weapons. And still after Wald's retirement in 1934, Henry Street persisted through the Depression as funding shifted from elite donations of philanthropists to the government. And as the population shifted from mainly white ethnics to African-Americans, Puerto Ricans, Chinese, and other Asian-Americans, the leadership of Henry Street Settlement came to reflect these neighborhoods, Black and Latinx leadership, African, Asian, and Latin American. Henry Street was a part of the post-war program's mobilization for youth that worked to undo systems of inequality. And in fact, its institutional growth has always reflected the problems of the times, drug addiction, AIDS, homelessness, war, and war on the idea that governments are to serve everyone, not just cater to the interests of the elite few. In the era that I wrote about, during Wald's lifetime, nurses arrived on Henry Street's doorsteps in great numbers, 
all seeking to be trained in public health nursing, addressing the needs of individuals, but also of neighborhoods and urban populations holistically. To learn the history of Henry Street is to see a prestigious lineup of people who went to Wald and then to Wald's Henry Street settlement to learn these lessons. Mayors and presidents, senators, radicals, union leaders, artists, British royalty, activist leaders have come to 265 Henry Street. Here is a successful organization that has been bringing together diverse people to collaborate and brainstorm and come up with practical solutions to problems that often seem intractable. It is a flexible and nimble institution that moves and adapts and really rises to the challenges and celebrations of each era. That same dining room I described earlier as the meeting place of rich and poor, conservative and radical, that was the headquarters for organizing and collaborating after 9-11 and during Hurricane Sandy. Under the leadership of Executive Director David Garza, our own moments Lillian Wald, Henry Street continues to empower and serve its neighbors. The website reads, founded in 1893 by social worker Lillian Wald and based on Manhattan's Lower East Side, Henry Street provides a wide range of social service, arts, and healthcare programs to over 60,000 New Yorkers each year. Far more than the sum of these programs, Henry Street has provided countless others, including me, with inspiration and motivation over the years in its striving to better serve and empower its neighbors, to hear their voices and allow others to grow and learn from those voices. And in our own times, to continue swimming against all of the fear and hatred which is peddled to us and which runs against everyone's best interest. I'm going to end with the words of Lillian Wald, the final words to her second book, Windows on Henry Street, which she published in 1934, shortly after retiring from public life. Her words best summarize the efforts that have built and sustained Henry Street Settlement, this building that I hope you go visit if you're not already there. I hope you'll not mind that I sort of took liberties making it a little more gender neutral, because if Wald were alive now, I'm pretty convinced that she would be an ally of Black Lives Matter and transgender rights and all of movements that push against the forces that separate people. It has been my good fortune to know the fellowship of people from many lands, many circles, and with inherited variations of traditions and religious influences. Presidents and prime ministers have found their way to the house, not because of any material quest, but to seek sympathetic understanding of their desires for a freer life for their fellow citizens. And we on Henry Street have become internationalists, not through the written word or through abstract theses, but because we have found that the problems of one set of people are essentially the problems of all. We have found that the things which make people alike are finer and stronger than the things which make them different and that the vision which long since proclaimed the interdependence and the kinship of humankind was farsighted and is true. All the varied exchanges with the many groups of people, such experience points to the inevitable, that people rise and fall together, that no one group or nation dare be an economic or social law unto itself. That has been the lesson we have learned in the years on Henry Street. So with Wald's words as my closing, I will only say, happy 125th birthday, Henry Street, Thanks for listening, and enjoy Open House New York. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sights and Sounds. Be sure to check out the rest of our podcasts at GothamCenter.org and sign up to our mailing list to find out about other programming here at the Gotham Center for New York City History. 